Uh, today's message, I, I would struggle to call it a sermon. Today is a conversation and encouragement and just kind of laying a framework for uh, kind of the rest of the year and kind of what I'm thinking. So this is just kind of an invitation to come and join me in what I think will be a good thing for our church family. Uh, if you are like me, you have done a Bible reading plan and you have started it and you have finished it. If you are like me, you have started a Bible reading plan and you've started it, you stopped it, you started it, you stopped it, and you quit. Uh, I, would in, I would invite you to start with me and uh, prayerfully finish with me. Uh, I would like to do a different reading plan than I've ever done. I've done last year we did all of the New Testament, which was a nice, simple plan. A chapter a day, five days a week, takes you about five minutes, and you read through the New Testament, and you got it. Uh, this, uh, this plan worked well for me because it was simple. It was like pretty straightforward. I knew right where I was at and cruising right through. And I found that to be of good value to me, and just hanging out in the New Testament was a good thing for me to dig a little deeper. But God has given us the whole counsel of Scripture and all of his word, and I, I wouldn't say that a steady diet of just New Testament would be a good thing. We need the whole counsel of God and all that he's given to us. And so uh, I wouldn't say that that would be the best thing to do every time, but if you're looking for a plan and you're like, hey, I just need to get plugged in, need something to get myself into God's word, that is a great plan, and I, am wel I welcome you to read it. Uh, what I would like to do as a church, though, is a three-year Bible reading plan. You all perked up at three years. And here's the plan. I have year one laid out. If you look at it in your bulletin, the three-year Bible plan, the first year will go Genesis, 1st, 2nd, 3rd, John, Jude, Exodus, Matthew, Ephesians, Leviticus, Hebrews, Numbers, Galatians, Deuteronomy, Joshua, and Luke. It's a book a month for three years. If it's a shorty, it gets clumped in with others. The, there is method to the madness. You would think, Jordan, you go from Genesis to 1 John, hang out in Exodus, and then go to Matthew. There are actually quite a few really cool connections. Two years ago, I did a Bible reading plan that mixed together things thematically, and it was one of the most enriching Bible, readings, uh, Bible reading plans that I had done. And so I kind of took that, framework a little bit and I laid out the next three-year plan so three years a book a month some books you're gonna have to kind of maybe read a little bit more more quickly other books you're gonna be able to the first second third John and Jude you could probably get that done in a day if you felt like it. but the point will be that we would dive in a little more deeply in the text that we're reading uh, the emphasis of a three-year plan, you're thinking, Jordan, I, I don't know what's going to happen three years from now. I don't know. And was, that is okay. I'm just worried about January. I'm just worried about today, concerned my day with today. And that for us as a congregation to say, okay, at the start of this year, we're going to be all collectively reading the book of Genesis. And from a teaching standpoint, I will be preaching from the book of Genesis in January. Then the next month, I'll be preaching from 1st, 2nd, 3rd, John, and Jude. And so my teaching will hopefully complement what you're reading and what you're studying with God. 
And so I, I hope that what I'm doing is complementary to what you're reading. It will help us then at the start of the month, I hope to give you some resources and things to check into and, and kind of help you in your reading. Because here's what, here is what happens in a Bible reading plan, and you can go ahead and tell me if I'm wrong, but I've done it enough times to know that Leviticus is hard to get through. And we don't know necessarily always what we're reading. And so if there's some things that we can do to kind of complement and support and encourage one another and say, hey, I'm in Leviticus too. There are some really fuzzy things going on. Can you help clarify that for me? That would be a helpful thing. So I've done it enough times to know that we get off the rails in Leviticus, we feel like we're bad Christians, and then we just quit on the whole thing, right? I mean, maybe not that dramatic. And so I want to simply offer this as a way to provide accountability, encouragement, support. Um, oddly enough, this might startle you. The Bible doesn't tell you you have to read it in a year. It's not in there. But it does tell us to read, to devote ourselves to the Scriptures, and to let the law of God and His Word be a part of us and shape us. And so the question might be, Jordan, why do I need to study the Bible anyways? Kind of just a big picture thing. And there are lots of reasons to study God's Word. Uh, it, it might surprise us to know that uh, you know, one of the entry exams is not a quiz on the Bible. Uh, so that's good. Heaven doesn't have an entrance exam per se, but it does have an entrance exam of who we declare Jesus Christ to be. How we understand him, who we understand him to be, and how he shapes us is in part through the study of God's word. People will say, I wish I would hear from God. I wish that he would answer my prayers. I wish that he would respond to me. Guys, I'd love to tell you this. God answers and speaks to us through his word still today. So spend time in it. If you're wondering, well, God hasn't been talking to me. Well, maybe you haven't been reading and devoting yourself to Scripture, spending time with Him. So spend time with God. Spend time with Him. Read His Word so that you would hear from Him. Read His Word so that it would change you and transform you. Where would you be without God's Word in your life? Where would you be? I think for a moment, all of the ups and downs of life. And having that foundation of God's word in your life that assure you of God's comfort, of God's presence. Lindsay read uh, just a wonderful passage that is one that I cling to in my life, that all of this is pointing towards a new heaven and a new earth in which God is going to wipe away our tears. And there are so many times in our life where it's just like, God, I don't have any more tears to give, and would you just wipe these away now? And would you make all things new right now? But it also creates in me this comfort and this strength and this guidance that God is with me, that God is pointing things towards what is new and good and righteous, and I can walk with you. I want God's word to be a light onto my path. I want him to guide my life through life's circumstances. I want it to be a worldview in which the way I look at the world is shaped by God's word. Do you think about your worldview? And when I say worldview, it's like it's just how you sort of operate and function in the world, how you look at it. And we would be naive to say that there are not people and things and advertisements and 
news channels and media and, uh, and so many things are telling you how to think, what to buy, how to, where to move, where to live, what to own. How many things are influencing all of those decisions in your life? Are you with me on that? Let us have God's Word shape our worldview so that the way we look at our neighbor is the way Jesus Christ would have us look at our neighbor. Let us have God's Word shape how we live our lives generously and, care, and, and caring of others. Let's let God's Word shape our marriage, shape our singlehood, shape our lives and our work life. Let it shape every aspect of our lives so that we would find ourselves reading God's story and living God's story. That we would find ourselves caught up into what God is doing. Not as something necessarily that only happened in the past, but by believing and trusting that what God did to use people in the past, God is also still doing to use you today. Let it be your inspiration. Let it be your challenge. Let it be your conviction. Let it be the transformative work of God and His Spirit in your life that you would rest in His Word and it would shape you and transform you. Y'all ready to read the Bible yet? Jesus teaches us. Jesus teaches us at the end of His Sermon. Sermon on the Mount. Most famous sermon that He preaches. In Matthew 5, 6, and 7, He closes things up and He wraps up His sermon with a great story of a person who's building houses. And he says there's two of them. And he says there's the wise man and the foolish man. And it's such good teaching because we already know the story, but we need to rest in what he's teaching us here. We need to believe in what Jesus is saying. The foolish man, he builds his house on what? He builds it on the sand. And the winds come, and the waves rise, or the water comes, and the winds pick up, and the wise man's house goes tumbling down. Wait, did I say the wise man? I'm just seeing if you all are paying attention. I've read the story, I think. I may have quit at Leviticus. That's a few chapters later. Foolish man, he builds his house on the sand. And trouble comes, and his, and his house is destroyed. And it is a metaphor for his life. It is a metaphor for his beliefs. It is a metaphor for his worldview. It is a metaphor for all things. And we have experienced that in our own life. We are foolish to think that we are always the wise man. Because there are so many times that we pick up his word and we fail to do what does Jesus invite us to do but to listen to what he's teaching and obey it. It is the wise who listen to Christ and apply it to their lives, who let it shape their lives. That when trouble comes and things, things will always, there will be trouble that comes. I was... I was talking to my family about the Michigan football game last night. And if you watched it, there were some bad things that happened. The guy catches the ball and he puts his bottom in the end zone. 
and it's a touchdown. I mean, as, as I look at it, I know I'm biased. I believe it to be a touchdown. They say it's not a touchdown. Next play, so they put the ball at the one-yard line. Next play, the next play, they fumble the ball, and, and then they turn it over to TCU, and they lose the game by a touchdown at the end of all of it. I told my family, what you teach as a football team is, is that there's going to be bad calls from the ref. There's always going to be adversity. There's always going to be difficulty. And so you can't let the bad call from the ref frustrate you and then fumble the ball the next time. You have to rise to the occasion. You have to be strong. You have to face the trouble and face the circumstance. That is my first and only sports illustration I'll use this year, maybe. The point of it is, is that life always throws challenges at us. And our response, if we're rooted in God's word, if our foundation is Christ, if, if our lives are rooted in him, if we build our house on the rock of Jesus Christ, we obey and listen to his teaching. If we are listening to Christ, it's not going to prevent the storms from coming. It is going to help us to stand firm and stand together to face the storm. We have seen in our own lives the difficulties that come. But it is the faithful in the midst of those storms that give me courage and hope. I have sat with people who have no hope in Jesus Christ, facing death, facing terrible circumstances. I have sat with those who love the Lord and spend time with Him. And I'll tell you, there is no more powerful visual of a life that is toppled by the storms and a life that is strengthened. A life that is a lighthouse and a beacon of hope that stands firm in the midst of the trials. Why invite you to spend three years studying together God's Word? I want you to stand firm. I want you to be equipped and encouraged to be faithful and to trust in God's Word and His faithfulness to you. I want you to know of Christ and his righteousness. I want you to know of God and his incredible love and mercy for you. I want you to read daily of a God who has gone on a rescue mission to save and redeem you. I want you to know of a God who was at work in the past and is still at work in the present. I want you to read of the God who is the creator of the heavens and the earth and he's still creating today. He's still working and still caring for you and still bringing things new and fresh and encouragement to you each day. That our God is not dead, but he's truly alive, working in our lives. Are you ready to read God's word? Yes. I hope you will join me in a three-year journey walking through God's word. You know, the question might be, why three years and why not five years? And for that, I don't know. I think you'd shoot me by then. But, uh, but three years. Three years. Spend time in a book a month. And there's actually a strategy to it. Um, I hope that the Etna Green Church of Christ grows. I hope you grow spiritually. I hope we grow numerically. I hope more people come to be a part of our church family. 
I hope that if someone joins in June, they don't feel like they can't be a part of what we are doing as a church family. But if they show up in June, we'll say, hey, guess what? <laughs> We're reading Leviticus. <laughs> but hold on, and the next month we'll be reading Hebrews. And there will be constant on-ramps for everyone to be able to say, hey, you know what? I really fumbled, I really dropped it on, on this month, but this next month I'm going to join together with my church family. There are 36 on-ramps to this Bible reading plan. And so you can keep hanging on and keep saying, hey, there's grace that I didn't read through all of Leviticus, but I can hop in on Hebrews, and we can enjoy that together. So there's a method to my madness. That's what I'm thinking. My preaching will complement it. And I think that it will transform you and your life. I've never met a person, never once, have I met a person who has regretted being devoted to reading God's Word? Not once. I can think of a whole lot of things that people do that have an awful lot of regrets. But not once has a person regretted being devoted to God's Word. Jesus, um, and before I say that, uh, a, a book that really helped me, just in my own walk, uh, and it's been an illustration I've used quite a few times, uh, is a book by Dallas Willard called The Great Omission. And in the book, there's a challenge. It's a collection of his essays on discipleship. And in it, he talked about the cost of non-discipleship, the cost of people not learning to follow Jesus and trust in him, not learning to take up their cross and follow Christ. And in it, the cost of non-discipleship, he addressed this issue. He said that we have created a group of people who are vampire Christians. And in it, he means it to be an alarming sort of thing that sort of jolts your senses. And What does he mean by a vampire Christian? What is that? And a vampire Christian is a person who loves Jesus' blood and only his blood. They only want his forgiveness. They only want the blessings of the blood but they have neglected the ways of Christ. And he teaches and his encouragement, and it's been an encouragement and challenge in my own life, to love and appreciate and celebrate the forgiveness of God and grateful for his blood and grateful for his life being poured out for me. But also complementing that with being a person who studies God's word and applies it to my life. Jesus tells a story, another parable, another famous story that we are all very familiar with, and it's the parable of the sower. As the parable of the sower says that, it's that what the seed that's sown, it gets sown onto a path, it gets sown onto some rocks, and, and it gets thrown into the thistle, and some of it lands on good, rich soil, fertile ground. And the seed that lands on the fertile ground, it grows and it flourishes, it it is just overwhelming how much fruit comes from the seed planted on good soil. But the ones that land on the path, well, it gets trampled. The one that's on the stone and the rocks, well, it doesn't take root. And the one that's in the thistle, it gets choked out by all of the worries and all of the pressures of life. And God, he teaches us and he says, this lesson is all about hearing and believing and trusting that God's kingdom has come in Jesus Christ. 
It is about hearing the message of God's kingdom and living it out in your life. We, we get this message, spending time in God's word, spending time with God's people, sharing with one another, holding one another accountable. And so, as I invite you to read this, it will do us no good if we are people of the path, people of the thistle, people with hardened hearts. So I think our prayer needs to be that God, that we would have fertile hearts, fertile soil, that we would open our hearts and our minds today to Jesus and what he would teach us. That we would open our lives to him. My closing thought for you comes back to where we started this service with putting on the armor of God. I read, uh, uh, I was looking through Facebook or something, and there was this meme picture thing that came up, and it said, I want you all to just be real quiet going into 2023. Don't make any declarations. Be real cautious. Try not to tip anything over. We'll behave ourselves, and maybe things will go a little bit better. And I laughed at it, and I thought, that's really funny. That's a good strategy. Don't knock anything over. Let's behave ourselves, and maybe we'll get through it. And then I got to thinking, that's a terrible idea. We do need to knock some things over. And we need to disrupt so many things in our world this very moment. We need to disrupt injustice and unkindness. We need to disrupt those who are in a perpetual cycle of despair and poverty and brokenness, and we get to be a people of light and hope and mercy and love. We get to go into this world with a gospel of peace wrapped around ourselves. We get to go into this world with the righteousness of God. It's not your righteousness. It is God's righteousness. It is His goodness. It's His grace. It's His mercy. It's His love. And it is for this world. I think there's some people in their lives who need their lives disrupted. Some things need to get tipped over. Maybe in my own life. Maybe in our life. Certainly in the lives of those around us. That they would be disrupted and that they would turn to Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior. And so I'm asking you to disrupt things. To tip a few things over. Injustice, unkindness, brokenness, suffering. Would you be a person of peace? A person of grace? A person of the light? Would you wear the armor of God with the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the word of our Lord God, the sword? And would you pierce through this dark world? Would you shine light in it? Show God's goodness and his grace. And get there by being with God, opening your hearts to Him, 
and let them bear a great fruit. Would you listen and obey Jesus Christ? Let's pray. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for time together to turn our hearts to you. And God, we, we thank you for your word that's here, that's with us, that's been handed down to us from generation to generation. Lord, that we can know of your truth of how you worked in the past, that we would know right now in this moment, God, of your heart and your love and your grace. And so I ask you, God, that you would help us to be people who are devoted to your word. And when discouragements come, when challenges come, when the things of life happen around us, when we get so busy and we fall behind and just life happens, God, let us keep our foundation in you. You are the cornerstone. You are what we are all built together on. You have reconciled us to you. You have made us your family. You have adopted us through the power and love and salvation of Jesus Christ. We are unified in you. Lord, your word promises us all of these things. Would your word be a light for us? and lead our every step. May we join together, holding one another up, encouraging, challenging, comforting, loving one another as we seek you, as we seek to hear from you, as we seek your will and your ways. May we hear what you're saying and be the wise builders you've called us to be. Build our life in you. We love you, God, and we praise you. In Jesus' name that we pray, amen. Jesus' parting, comforting words to his disciples was the Great Commission in Matthew. In it, he tells us, Therefore, go. All, all authority in heaven and earth have been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded. Let's be a Great Commission people who love what Jesus has done, and let us not omit obedience to everything he's commanded. Let's be in God's word, be a people of God's word, live, love, and care for the people around us. Let's stand in response.